Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Director's Cut, where we speak with the women-identified directors who are making the horror movies that you, me, Ariel, all the cool people love. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me today is my partner in podcasting crime, the one, the only, the Ariel. Hi. Hey, girl. <laughs> How's your week been? 2022, it's here. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> How's it treating you so far? I mean, not great, but I'm doing okay. Okay, okay. Doing okay. fair, fair, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's like the baseline now. So it's like, yeah. not too bad is the new fucking fantastic. Right. <laughs> it does feel that way. That's so sad. <laughs> so you just need to recalibrate. So let's try this again. How's 21, 2022 treating you? fucking fantastic <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness any uh odd bodkins run around the neighborhood strange interactions like cats and outfits chasing you down the street what's going on no everything's been pretty normal okay. um i did see a couple in my building's parking lot fogging up the old windows but i just kept right. it moving just okay. kept it moving <laughs> Okay, so activity has restarted. The snow melted, Rachel. <laughs> really? It was like the minute the snow melted, they were Yes, like... the second the sun came out for like 20 minutes, everybody was back on the streets again. So... Oh, no. R.I.P. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. You rested your, uh, your peace of mind. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I feel like the universe is trying to tell you something, though. Do you ever feel like that? Yes. Like that, like the the degree to which you are um, exposed to other people's sex lives so is the universe. Do you feel like the universe is like, let's go, rock and roll? Yeah, probably. Single <laughs> during a quarantine, yes. Okay, <laughs> during like a worldwide pandemic where I don't want to be near other people. Yeah, <laughs> I think just maybe. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, on a totally different subject. Um, I, I'm I'm terrified <laughs> she's going to listen to this and be like, really? This is how you introed my amazing interview? <laughs> uh, we have a very special show for you guys today. I know I always say that, but I truly mean it because we had the genuine pleasure, and I mean genuine pleasure, to chat with Sarah Dina Smith today about her incredible film, The Midnight Swim, which has recently been released by Yellow Veil Pictures uh, and is going to be available, or actually by now is available on Blue Ray with lots of awesome special features, so you should definitely grab a copy. Uh, it's a movie that I think benefits multiple viewings, and the best way to do yes. that is good old-fashioned physical media. So, I don't know. I thought this was a really great conversation. What about you, Ariel? Yeah, I think it was excellent. She was absolutely lovely, and she had such interesting things to say about her film and the filmmaking process. So, yeah. I feel like we really went deep with this conversation, mm -hmm. and we went places that, that I wasn't really expecting to go and found really fascinating. And it, it, I had that same experience where I, like, I had my experience with the film and then talking about it and understanding kind of the mind behind it really enhanced and enriched that that viewing experience so i don't know i just thought it was really really great we talked about the exploration and depiction of grief and how she went about creating that we talked about how she was able to get authentic performances uh from her leads and tells an amazing mind-blowing story yes. about one scene in particular that i still cannot wrap my brain around we Me just yeah <laughs> It's incredible, like it truly a lightning in a bottle moment as one of our, uh, we had a little bit of a guest cameo on the show, uh, describes it. And 
as she as it turns out she was more right than she even thought (laughs) (laughs) and obviously one of the best things about this movie is the way that she depicts complicated sibling relationships and we talk a little bit about that as well and she even lets me tinfoil hat out a little bit and is very kind about it (laughs) she definitely was she complimented your tinfoil hat (laughs) (laughs) all right what do you say we get into it yeah let's do it all right here is our interview with Midnight Swim director, Sarah Adina Smith. All right. So we are speaking with the director of the Midnight Swim, Sarah Adina Smith. First of all, I just want to say thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Of course. This is, it's, I'm so excited that you guys want to talk about this movie. I find it very flattering and I'm really honored to be here. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yay. Oh, I mean, congratulations. Obviously, it's gotten a re-release and... Um, And so people who maybe didn't find it the first time are getting a second opportunity. Um, How is that experience for you to have people discovering your film for, uh, you know, you know, after years after its initial release? Uh, It's kind of the coolest thing ever, honestly. Um, In some ways, it's even more exciting than like my my latest film that came out because this this movie meant so much to me. And it, it did sort of break my heart a little bit that it didn't find a bigger audience but um um i was you know it was nice to see that over the years it kind of gained like i don't know maybe cult following is too strong Mm -hmm. of a word but like sort of a mini a little mini following in the genre community in particular Mm -hmm. um and i felt really like embraced by the genre community in a way that was like um i don't know just really encouraging it really warmed my heart and so for this to be getting another release and by such a cool um group of guys at yellow veil um mm-hmm. it just like feels um yeah it feels great it, it 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 feels like this movie will have perhaps another shot at um at finding its audience and that means everything to me yeah wow. definitely that's, that's so great and speaking of your newest film in the years since midnight swim came out your career has really flourished so what has it been like to revisit your first film? And is there anything that you would say to yourself back then now that you've had some distance? Yeah, it's really, you know, I don't think that we're the same person day to day, <laughs> right? Like I, sure. right. Really, I look back at this, this was, you know, it's like seven or eight years since this was made. And um, I don't know who I was back then, but mm-hmm. I'm happy to say that I like her. I like this movie. I think it was it was interesting <laughs> to rewatch it again after this many years. It was like I finally had enough distance to watch it objectively. And um I think there's really something special here. It was it's a movie that is sort of um told in a whisper and has a kind of hypnotic trance like mm-hmm. effect yeah, if true. you if you allow it to speak to you. And so and I think that um if anything, I would tell myself if I could go back in time and talk to that younger version of myself, I would say slow down and realize that you are at a really special time in your career Mm -hmm. um, and that you shouldn't be in such a rush to get to the next step or the next level or whatever it is. Like there is a kind of, um, there's a kind of magic that you, that is hard to get back. Um, that you get when you're just starting out and just starting to collaborate with people. And when you're kind of, I was really naive. I honestly didn't know anything about films. Um, I, you know, I was just um, kind of working purely from the heart. Um, And I think 
ironically, as you go further and further in your career, that's the place you're trying to get back to. That's so interesting. Because I do think one of the most powerful things about this movie comes from the from the heart. The like and I think the heart of the movie is that relationship between the sisters. Like as someone who has a complicated relationship with mm-hmm. my own sister. <laughs> mm-hmm. I this that part of this film, I mean many things did, but that in particular really resonated for me in the mm-hmm. ways that they're close, the way that there is this tension that runs between them at the same time. How for you, like you said, as basically a first time filmmaker, you had done some things before this, this was your first feature. How did you create and discover that kind of authenticity in those relationships? And did that some of that come from personal relationships or just witnessing human nature, I guess? I, you know, I I really want to give credit where credit's due, which is that the the actresses in this movie are um, incredible, profound people and are incredibly wise in very di- three different ways. Jennifer LaFleur, Lindsay Burge, and Alexa Palladino are really tremendous. And I wanted to create the conditions for them to build that kind of intimacy that only siblings have, where if you weren't born into the same family, you may you might you know, not even like each other in the in real life. Had you just sort of stumbled upon each other and not uh-huh. born into the same family. And so I wanted it to feel like they're sort of strangers to each other. And at the same time, there's this like primal connected bond that can't be broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all lived um, and worked in that same house where the movie shot. And, um, you know, I told them early on, like I wanted them to, have the kind of closeness where you start to get on each other's nerves or, you, have, oh, wow. you, can, you know, you can have long silences and mm-hmm. not say anything. And there, there's something about, you know, that sibling relationship that's very different than a friend relationship, right. actually. Absolutely. that's It's it's more durable in a sense that you can hurt each other over and over again and you're still siblings. Um, mm-hmm. So we, I think they all really got that right away and we're down for that type of um, kind of transformative experience together. Oh, that's great. It really comes across on on screen. They definitely feel real and like sisters. So um, even before the re-release of this film, we were actually planning to cover The Midnight Swim because a friend of ours named Elizabeth, who I think uh-huh. maybe it's number one fan, had been singing its praises to us. Oh, and so we cool. had been planning on watching it. And because she's such a big fan, we actually have a question for you from her. And I think Rachel's going to play that for you. Yes. Oh, that's so exciting. I like this, Elizabeth. Oh, Sarah Adina Smith, girl, what's up? How did you manage to assemble just the most perfect group of actresses that could possibly be assembled for Midnight Swim? I feel like you caught lightning in a bottle. It's magic. And I want that cast. Basically, I, I would watch like Braveheart with them reenacting every scene. If it's just these women, um, my absolute favorites. I mean, I have so many questions. I feel so pressured. You're amazing. Please keep making genre films and employing women and uh, rock on. Um, I think Elizabeth is my new best friend. I like <laughs> I also really want to, I think I should make Braveheart with those actresses. Yes. Like so much fun. That's a great idea. I mean, that um, was sure. why we're playing it. We're, we're trying to slowly suggest that. Yeah. <laughs> Braveheart is just ripe for a remake. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I 
in three, the answer to her question and how I found these actresses, it was like in three different ways. Um, I found Jennifer LaFleur first. And actually, her role was originally going to be played by Gabby Hoffman. Um, but just became unavailable because she had just been cast in Transparent. Oh. Um, and so then I remembered Jennifer LaFleur had auditioned for another movie I was involved with. And um, we weren't able to cast her in that movie, but I remembered her audition and just thought she was fantastic. So um, I met with her first. And then Alexa Palladino, I found through her music. Um, she's an amazing musician. You guys should all check out her, her music for sure. There's one track actually called Iowa that she wrote inspired by our time making the midnight swim. Um, oh, wow. and it's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Amazing. And so I think I stopped, actually stalked Alexa Palladino online and like, I think I maybe emailed her like booking agent or something for her <laughs> band. I was like, hey. Um, and somehow she didn't think I was psycho and that was great. <laughs> That's great. Um, and then Lindsay Burge, um, we found last, um, I had seen her in my friend Hannah Fidel's movie, A Teacher. I think that had maybe just come mm. out and thought she was just absolutely like, um, you know, they're each of these, each of these women are next level talented in their own specific yeah. ways. And, but I thought Lindsay had, um, the kind of energy I was looking for, for the June character. And it, I think what's so interesting about her performance is you really only see her a handful of times on mm-hmm. camera in this movie. And yet you feel her at every turn. Like Absolutely. she, you, she really figured out a way to do so much um, saying so little. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that's the power of, that's the power of Lindsay Burge. Yeah, absolutely. So now, I have been known on the podcast to um, occasionally adorn a tinfoil hat because I'm always trying to read things into everything. But one of the plot points um, is about these like layers of sisterhood, right? There's the the mm-hmm. seven sisters, there's the local lore sisters, and then there's our sisters. But one in particular thing, details stood out in particular, and I wanted to get your take on it. And that mm-hmm. is the invisible star. Is... Is um is she supposed to be the invisible star because she is the invisible sister throughout most of the film? Is that kind of is that a metaphor that you were intending with that character that she is present that she is a part of the unit but also kind of invisible? I think you can keep your tinfoil hat on because I think Dang that's it. very astute. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think if I'm getting the metaphor of that right, I think it's well done. Polish your tinfoil hat. And, <laughs> um, but yes, actually, I mean, um, June's character is somebody who exists kind of between the world. She's never really felt completely at ease in this world, which is why mm-hmm. she uses the camera to mediate her experience. And yes. I think in the tale of the seven sisters, um, there is this domino effect of each sister trying to save the one that is drowning, who has, has just gone into the lake before them. And so the seven sisters is sort of like, turning around waiting to be saved in some way and is sort of neither mm. fully in one world or the next. And so I That's kind of see her as a, um, in the lore is sort of like, she's waiting to take you to the next, to the other side oh, wow. um, and has one foot in each world. Yeah. Oh, I love that because you're right. Like unlike in this previous story, what, you know, the way the film resolves Lindsay or I'm sorry, uh, June is June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is they leave. They're not there. They're right, not present right. in order to follow her on that path. So that's 
that's really interesting. I hadn't really put yeah. that together. So yeah, it and sounds that, like I, I need mean, a second tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> tinfoil bracelets. Um, think, you know, it's obviously a total spoiler for those who haven't seen it. But for those who have, I think it's really the most heartbreaking part of the movie is that mm-hmm. decision by her sisters of whether or not they need to yeah. let her go or try to save her once again. Mm-hmm. And that's the the kind of story within the story of the film in the, the myth of the seven sisters is if you try to save a drowning person, they might pull you under. And so that, mm-hmm. that decision of, you know, that she's done this many times before and that in a way you know, they kind of have to let her hit rock bottom and, 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 and drive away and leave her alone. And that's, um, yeah, that's definitely the most sort of heart wrenching mm-hmm. moment. It was really hard to film that scene. Um, at the, at that point, the actresses had all become so close. They didn't want to hurt each other in that way. It took a lot of convincing mm-hmm. on my part to get them to be, for lack of a better word, mean enough and harsh enough on June right, right, in that right. scene because they love her and they didn't want to hurt her and they didn't want to drive away. And so that was oh. one of the, the more challenging directing moments for me. That's so interesting because I think you definitely feel that on screen. Exquisitely how hard painful. Yeah. of a decision that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It really does uh, hurt your soul when you watch that part. So we're talking about the sisters and how great of a job you did in capturing that relationship. But another thing that you really captured the complexity of is grief and the different ways people respond to that kind of profound loss. Mm -hmm. So how did you go about creating that feeling, both in writing your script and in your direction? I wanted, I, I tried to do as much listening as possible rather than dictating Mm -hmm. um if that makes sense and one of um the actors who um taught me so much about grief was ross partridge who plays josh the the neighbor guy yeah (laughs) Um, who annie used to have a crush on and isa kind of sparks this little fling with and um and um in real life actually ross partridge and jen lafleur are married um, hmm. and, um, yeah. And, and Ross said something to me when I met with him, asking him to play this part early on that I thought really, um, helped me listen with, um, kind of new kind of awareness about grief. He, he lost his own mother and he said to me, um, that I should take extra care at any scenes that take place inside the mom's bedroom, that that would be a really big deal. And that the moment they decide to go into that bedroom would be a really big deal. Um, And he was so right. And if you watch the movie, you actually see he very respectfully, um, like, stands in the doorway, the Josh character. Um, um, And, um, you know, Ross is a a writer, director in his own right. um, Mm -hmm. Amazing storytelling brain. And I just am really grateful for him for that bit of wisdom he gave me early on when we met because I think that really kind of helped set the tone about the grief in the movie yeah yeah and that scene in the mother's bedroom oh <laughs> yeah incredible incredible the I I wept when especially when she like fell into her sister's arms I was like nope I'm done <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know we had filmed that little section of the movie was filmed 
chronologically, I believe. So we had actually filmed the dinner scene right before, and I believe we were oh. drinking real wine. I think real wine was flowing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had, we went up to the room, and like I said, you know, given what Ross told me, that was the first scene that where everyone was in that room together. And what I did as a director was I went to a thrift store and I picked out clothes that I think would be in the mother's mm. closet. And then I, the only direction I gave the actors was, okay, one by one, you're each going to take turns, go into the closet, pick out an outfit, put it on and come out and do an impression of your mom. Wow. Um, and what you see are these amazing actresses doing just that. I, I didn't give them direction beyond that, Stop. beyond just putting the clothes. No. And that oh, song no. that Jen LaFleur sings, she came up with on the spot right there. What? None of that was planned. Yeah. That's nice. um, yeah. So, that you know, there incredible. may have been, and just to give you an, a, a window into the process, you know, there may have been times where I said, okay, um, we got that now try it again and give them a little note here or there, mm -hmm. try it like this or try it one more time. But for the most part, I remember that, that scene was very, um, raw and delicate. And I just wanted to be a, a fly on the wall and, and sort of spy on the alchemy that was happening in real time there. So I, I really just, there was just a real trust between all of us at that, by the time we filmed that scene. Wow. When you sat down to edit that and you saw what you had, <laughs> what was that experience like? It was really interesting because I was editing this movie as we were going. Mm. Um, and so we would shoot all day and we were all, like I said, living in that house. And then I would um, kind of edit um, as, as everyone else was sort of making dinner. And then I would like wander, you know, kind of edit for five hours and then wander down and, and hang with everybody. But um this movie was really interesting in that, like, we always we always got things, but just barely. You know, it'd be like it wasn't. It wouldn't be like okay, there's thirty different versions of this scene. It would be like mm -hmm. okay, we got it, and there's <laughs> one and a half versions of ways this could go. You know, <laughs> um, but I love that about it. You know, we made. I think we made really strong choices, and we weren't afraid to make strong choices. It wasn't like a big coverage party and I wanted I wanted it to feel like a slice of life and like a documentary and um a movie told from inside June's brain so mm -hmm. that gave us a lot of great restrictions and rules um and, um and in a way that I think shaped the movie in a, more creatively than it would have been had I had total freedom yeah yeah well you definitely achieved that I, I mean I think you feel how natural and raw those performances are and that's what makes it so impressive what you were able to achieve in the end speaking of the end uh the ending of midnight swim is somewhat open to interpretation and so we were wondering what meaning you were hoping audiences would take away from it mm. i try to reserve judgment in terms of like what audiences might want to think and I mm -hmm. never want to um, ruin somebody's interpretation you know so mm -hmm. um, but um, but I, I guess I will say that um, I am very compelled by stories about people who might be labeled as mentally ill or um, written off as crazy um, who might just be getting something right about 
the structure of the universe. And so like, I like, I like to tell stories that allow for a kind of transcendence to be possible or a kind of traveling to be possible. Um, and so maybe that's as much as I would say, you know, like, I think there are many different ways of looking at it. Um, you could, you, there, there's interpretation that, um, June couldn't let go of her mother and committed suicide and right. followed her into the watery grave, you know, like there's, that's a perfectly valid interpretation. Um, and, and, um, and then there's, you know, the inter- interpretation that like her mom was a kind of astronaut, <laughs> like a yeah. kind of psycho spiritual <laughs> yeah. astronaut. Um, and maybe June followed in her footsteps that way. Mm, that's oh, interesting. That's, yeah, that's actually kind of beautiful. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Sorry, you're changing my interpretation. <laughs> oh, no. no, 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 I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. Open my mouth. No, 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 I'm totally kidding. I actually really love that interpretation because I kind of, I came away from it being like, is this sad? Is this joyful? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess ultimately the answer is yes. Both. <laughs> it's both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's actually, mm-hmm. that's really helpful. I, I, I love that. Um, we are so inspired by women directors. I mean, the whole point of this podcast is really about, you know, a celebration and a signal boost of the work that women are doing in the genre. And so we wanted to know from you, someone who has, you know, ostensibly made it, uh, what advice you have for young women who want to direct and want to get into filmmaking, but maybe feel like mm-hmm. they can't um, and that it's not an option for them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, I want to dispel the myth that you ever, the whole notion of making it, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I never, I don't think anyone ever really feels like they've made it at anything in any career. You know, I think that's <laughs> yeah. sort of the point, right? We always, yep. <laughs> if you're, if you're at all curious and if you're at all um, determined, then you're always going to be moving the goalpost. So um, I think, first of all, don't wait to be happy and you actually need to, and people say it all the time and it sounds cliche, but it's true. Um, the process is the reward. Um, yeah. So I think that's really important to know because every it's otherwise success is a mirage and you're never going to get there and you don't want to mm-hmm. waste your life and let your wife, let your life pass you by um, thinking that you'll, you'll um, as soon as you get X, Y, and Z, then you can, sort of start to be fulfilled. And that's, it's just not how it works. Um, And so I would say, um, if you're just starting off, I know how hard those obstacles can feel. And I can tell you firsthand that there are so many times it felt impossible and that I was kind of never going to be able to make a film. And it felt like such an uphill battle. Um, And I, before, before I made the minute swim, I came across this Jacques Cousteau quote that really inspired, has inspired me ever since, which is that impossible missions are the only ones that succeed. And mm. so you should never let the notion of something being impossible stop you. If anything, that's what should charge you. And I would say to young filmmakers, um, find your collaborators at your own peer level. Um, do not wait for some magical godmother or godfather to wave their wand and, and give you what you think you need to start. I think you should be um, looking at your peer group and um, finding people who are, who are also just starting out to collaborate with 
um, and then jump before you're ready. Um, <laughs> and leap, leap before you look um, and just go for it and be, um, be humble and, and um, listen um, and try to receive um, the gifts that happen in the moment and what sort of rather than imposing your idea um, on, onto the world and said, like, be open to what the world is giving you. Um, and if you do that, um, there's a really good chance you'll make something great. Oh, that is great advice. Cause I think a lot of people, especially in creative fields, feel like it's so hard to get a foot in the door, but you're mm -hmm. right. That just starting can sometimes, you know, help facilitate that. So also the imposter syndrome. Yes. <laughs> really resonated. Absolutely. So I, there... yeah. go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think everybody's making it up as they go along. Mm -hmm. So yeah. just embrace it and, and, and have, <laughs> keep a sense of humor. And you'll right. Be fine. right. Yeah. I think that's, that's all great advice. Yeah. So is there something that no one has asked you about this film or the filmmaking experience that you kind of hope somebody would in one of these interviews you've been doing? Um, what a great question. Um, you know, I wish in some ways I got to talk more about um, my truly amazing collaborators behind the camera. Mm, um, okay. And so, I, I you know, um, Shaheen Seth, he's my husband, but he was also the cinematographer on this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and it, particularly with a, a emotional POV movie like this one, he was the character of June as much as Lindsay Burge. It was really this right. kind of... Um, really intimate collaboration between the three of us that, that, that formed this, this character of June. Um, and Jonico Donnelly, the unsung hero, uh, my um, producer on this movie, who has been my, my producer and creative partner on all of my films. We've been working together 20 years now. Um, and she's kind of my, my muse and, and um, in some ways knows me better than anyone um, creatively. Um, and then, I mean, so many people I, I, I want to talk about. We had such a tiny crew on this one. Um, so, um, like, Needham B. Smith was our first AC, but he was also our gaffer and also our grip. And he was like, oh, you know, every uh -huh. other. Josh Bissett was our sound. Josh Bissett was like, he was our sound recordist. And he was so clutch because when you're making a movie like this, where, you know, a lot of these scenes are kind of done in maybe one take or sort of mm -hmm. in a longer evolving wide shot. And so for like a sound person, he was like this, we, he was always so magical. He managed to disappear and, and still get all the sound and somehow avoid, avoid the camera and was so great. And then, um, in post, I will say, um, Ellen Reed, our composer, um, we worked on this, score and we, we call it a soundscape because mm -hmm, the sound design mm -hmm. and the score were kind of one in the same and you know we did it on her laptop in her like tiny studio apartment where it was literally like i, I think it was like a 200 square foot apartment and she's, <laughs> <That's incredible. laughs> she's you know and she's she's gone on to win a pulitzer i mean she and we've been wow. working together 20 years now yeah so i just i feel like i um this movie is just, it's not just my movie. It was really the product of this family style filmmaking. So I'm, I'm glad you guys gave me a chance to, to sing the praises of everyone else who put so much love into this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, what is it? Like they say it takes a village. <laughs> I mean, so it does. I wait. And you, can I say one more person who truly like made yeah. such a huge difference in this movie? Um, so Oliver Zeller, our um, VFX supervisor, 
God bless Oliver. My goodness. <laughs> I mean, we had, you know, we had like zero dollars, guys. This was a tiny, no budget movie. And uh-huh. um, he did really difficult shots for us that brought like that next level magic to the movie. Um, one of the things that happened, again, like all kinds of spoilers, obviously, in this podcast, but there's this one moment where we break the uh pov can uh we break the pov rule and now the camera's moving on its own mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm. like oh shit maybe mm-hmm. this is real something's haunted and something's happening here and for that shot we had ordered this piece of equipment um that was it was supposed to be a much steadier shot and then we got it and it was like so janky and so broken <laughs> and like no. did not work at all and 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 thank goodness it didn't because like it turned out to be so much more of an interesting shot. And we did this like, you know, ramping effect and it's like crazy and totally not steady, which I loved. But then poor Oliver, our VFX supervisor had to frame by frame, um, uh, rotoscope and, and do all kinds of really? paint outs and stuff. So that mm. was like, you know, you, I think that took him months. Um, and I'm hugely oh. indebted to him. Yeah. Um, and then even though this was like a micro budget movie, there were, you know, we did have investors. It was, um, we did have, it was a SAG movie. So there was some budget needed. And if it weren't for those few, um, that handful of early adapters who like decided to take a leap um, with their investment, the movie wouldn't have been made. And I think we talk a lot about um, diversity in filmmaking and, mm-hmm. and amplifying diverse voices. Yeah. Um, but that can't happen unless people put their money where their mouth is. And it really so does take, people you know going for it and taking that first financial leap of faith um and and i will say in full honesty one of the reasons i'm so grateful that this movie is getting a re-release is are my investors still haven't recouped their funds like we still oh. haven't made our money back so I'm, it's really hard to do an indie film and i'm just yeah. hopeful that i can at least um you know i'm hopeful people will want to buy this blu-ray and that and I can return their investment. That would mean the world to me and a lot to them too. Yeah, absolutely. And they should, they should. I feel like this is a movie that you need to watch multiple times because there's a lot happening and a great way to do that is to own the Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. I also feel like if you watch it at different points in your life, you're probably going to get something different oh. out of it because it's such yeah. an emotional story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. And there's a few like um, little uh, gems you get on the Blu-ray as well, which is like there's two of my early short films from Amazing. before I made this feature. One of which um, I make cameo slash cameos oh. in. Yeah, which is like so weird. It's a weird experimental <laughs> movie that's never been seen before. Um, and there's like commentary and new artwork and oh, essays nice. and all. There's all kinds of stuff. So I, I you know, if you are a fan of the film i think there's there's a lot more to discover with the blu-ray that's great excellent awesome so do you have anything that you're working on that we should be keeping an eye out for next um i'm in i'm actually in post-production now about to do the mix on um, my new movie which is not announced yet so unfortunately i can't talk about it but the one thing i will say is that it's a comedy oh Um, I know, I know, I know. It's crazy. I, I was like, I don't think I, I don't actually don't think I've ever been more afraid to make anything before because I was like so intimidated by the idea of making sure. a comedy and it was not something that was on my radar before, but um, right. has been a total joy um, and, and was made during the pandemic and was like, you know, a real bright spot, real bright spot for me during all this 
COVID shenanigans. Um, so I'm excited to share that. <laughs> oh, that's so great. We can't that's wait so to see exciting. it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So and I think oh, go ahead. No, no. I was gonna say, I think that there is something about comedy and horror that there's like about that like build up of tension and release that like, you know, I feel like they share some they, DNA. They, yeah, exactly. yeah, I think I think I suspect this comedy is not gonna be for everyone. It is definitely skews dark. Um, Ooh, and okay. for people who like something a little bit more on the fucked up side, I think. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, well, now, you got our attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're speaking our language. <laughs> so if our listeners wanted to follow you online, where can they find you on social media? Um, I am on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm not like the most active ever, but I do try <laughs> okay. to respond to tweets. So probably Twitter is most likely where you'd find me if you want to um, give me a shout out there. Um, and I would, it makes me feel so good. Um, every once in a while, I do get um, people reaching out to say they're a fan of something. And I feel like, um, I don't know if, if people understand how great that actually does feel. It's very encouraging. So Aww. I really, I really appreciate the love I get from social media. That's great. Can you tell us what your Twitter handle is? Oh, it's it's so easy. It's just my name. All my names, okay. all three names. Great. Sarah Dita Smith. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Real real creative Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah, I, I can never come up with good ones either. So I, I think just the name is perfect. Yes. Makes it easy to find. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This has been a true joy. Yeah, loved I loved the it. movie. I feel like every time I talk to a filmmaker about their movie, I love it even more like I get a deeper appreciation because I mm -hmm. I value so much like heart and thought that goes into it um and th today has been no exception um so thank you so well, much thank and you. I yeah thank and you, guys. you guys are, <laughs> oh thank you and you know the this you are um a vital part of the film community having Aww. champions like you guys so thank you so much for your interest and for taking the time to talk to me oh thank Absolutely. you this has been great <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was our chat with the brilliant and honestly pretty inspirational Sarah Adina Smith. I don't know about you, but I was like kind of moved by her her advice to filmmakers because I feel yes, like it, it made me want to make a film. <laughs> I, I also feel like it, it applies to people outside, oh, like anybody 100%. who's like in a creative sort of yes. field, because I definitely experience mm -hmm. imposter syndrome, and I definitely feel like sometimes things are impossible, even with the podcast, and so. I don't know. I feel like I took a lot out of her. I personally took a lot of, out of her yeah. advice. Yeah, I know. She was great. And the whole interview was so interesting. But can we talk about that one scene for a second? Because Dude. I cannot believe <laughs> that that was improv. That wow. they came up with that shit on the spot, especially the older sister when she was mimicking her mother, chastising her as a child. Holy cow. The fact that that wasn't written down in a script blows my mind. Right. And, and the song? She came up with the song? Yes. Are you what? kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a perfect example of sometimes you just pull elements together. And I think she called it alchemy. And I think that's yeah. the right way to describe it. It just came together in this magic movie magical kind of way. Right. And I, and I yeah. And it was so smart having them spend so much time together to where they mm -hmm. really were connected and felt mm -hmm. like siblings that so came across on screen. And it makes more sense that they were able to accomplish that improvisation together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just I don't know. I, 
film is art and and sometimes because it's also like popular entertainment it's easy mm-hmm. to forget that and yeah. but hearing how the like the creative the creativity that went into the crafting of it always I don't know it reminds me that there there's so much more to the movie than when you, what you finally see on screen and I don't know it makes you it made me kind of fall in love with the movie in, in a totally different way yeah I, I agree I totally yeah. agree and just how much they were able to accomplish with such a tiny budget too right? is pretty impressive yeah I guess the takeaway is just believe in yourself radically don't wait just do it and you never know what magic you might like what happy accidents will create magic yeah and I think that's something that we've heard from a number of the directors we've interviewed over the mm-hmm. past year or so is that th- their advice often is just make the film you know it's mm-hmm. like if you have an idea don't keep waiting for the right amount of money or the right collaborators to come along just find people you can work with and make the damn thing you know yeah I think that's great advice because it's actionable you know what right. I mean yeah like you yeah. could you could take action on that advice tomorrow you could wake up and take that advice right exactly which is really really cool yeah this was great this was yeah. great people should if you haven't watched it sorry if we spoiled things for you watch it anyway you should watch it <laughs> yeah definitely and let us know what you think about it and you can do that by emailing us at rachel at zombiegirls.com that's g-r-r-l-z.com or you can come chat with us over on the zombie girls facebook page or on instagram and twitter at zg podcasts plural if you're enjoying the show please do us a big favor and leave us a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods or if you listen on spotify they now allow you to leave star ratings so drop a five sweet little stars in our pod and make us feel very special and if you're looking for something spooky tonight because you've already watched midnight swim five times then check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com and if you're looking for uh some you know 2022 new year new you want some new gear check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch and if you love us and you want to support us you can do that at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls, where one of the benefits is extended episodes, bonus episodes. You get to hang out with us on our on our pa- our patrons discord, which is a lot of fun. Um, and this year we have some really cool things specifically exclusively for patrons coming. So now is the time to join the party. All right. On that note, Ariel, if I were going to dive into a river after someone, it would be you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of More Deadly Director's Cut. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Sarah Adina Smith. She was fantastic. And if you haven't already watched The Midnight Swim, what are you waiting for? Go do that now. And we'll catch you here next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host and good friend, Ariel, for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Sharton.